Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Amen. Thank you. If you can say that I've been in the goodness of God, would you just raise your hand and say amen at me? i tell you what, it's wonderful to be in the goodness of God, and God has certainly shown His goodness to us. Turn again, if or open again, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, and I'm going to read the entire passage. This is the same passage that we read last week on help for our unbelief. Help for our unbelief. That's the title. This is part two, and I want to finish up these thoughts, and so I'm going to give you a little refresher on where we were last week, and and although I asked Mark just to read the part that we're going to focus on, I want to give you the whole context again, and so we're going to begin uh, reading in, in um, going to begin reading in verse 14 this morning. Uh, before we do that, I just want to do one more thing. I'm going to have you stand one more time for me. It is Memorial Day weekend, and although I'm not preaching a Memorial Day message, would you all just stand with me? This is a holiday in which we remember those who have given their lives for our nation and for the freedoms that we have. And just as we were saying this morning, uh, the freedom we have not just to live in this country. We still have... Listen, I understand that I, I believe with all my heart that our freedoms, many of them are in danger. Freedoms are under attack as we look at this nation in which we live, as we look at the world in which we live, certainly there are those who want to take away the freedoms that we have. But the freedom that we have in this great nation, we are still free, and we're free to live. And we're Listen, I, I'm willing to bet that most of you, if not all of you, did not worry. Although we have had terrorist attacks, and although we have had violence and, and various things and enemies that want to harm us, I did not worry in all this week that somebody's going to come and take away my freedom. Did you? I don't think most of us. Again, we live in this freedom that we're blessed with, in this nation that we're blessed with. And what we celebrate this weekend, and we should celebrate all the time, is those that were willing to fight and to, to, to gain and to defend the freedoms in which we have. And so now for just a few seconds, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm just going to take a moment to remember and just reflect on those that have paid their full measure of service for this nation. Father, we do thank you that we have freedom to come and worship. We have freedom to gather in your presence. Father, we have freedoms in this nation that most people, in fact, we watch in the news, people are flocking to this nation any way they can get to it to enjoy the freedoms that we have here. This great nation in which we live that you have blessed us with. And Father, we need to stand up and be willing to defend and have a voice so that we maintain these blessings, these freedoms. But God, we want to take just a moment today and thank you for the freedoms that you've granted us, but thank you in remembering those who fought and died 
to defend this nation. We thank you for their sacrifice. We thank you for the sacrifice of husbands and wives and children and parents and brothers and sisters who lost a loved one fighting for the rights that we enjoy. Father, help us also as we, under, as we read your word that we would understand it, that we would apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Take your Bible before we read and hold it up if you would. Say along with me, this is the Word of God. I will read it, I will believe it, and I will obey it by the grace of God. Verse 14 says this. I'll give you the whole context. Now, in fact, let me back up. Even I'm not going to read it, but understand, Jesus, Peter, and James, and John are coming down from the mountain. They're coming down from Mount Transfiguration. They're coming down from the experience they had being as close to God in a literal sense as they would ever be on this earth. And now they're coming back and they're finding a discussion taking place with the other nine disciples and some religious leaders and a father and his son. And so verse 14 says, When he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning or arguing with them, discussing with them or criticizing them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which have a dumb spirit. And whosoever he, take, he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and he pieth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should not, that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Now let me stop right there and just kind of remind you where we were last week and help for our unbelief. We talked last week about how we all have problems. Every last one of us has problems. They had problems back then. We have problems today. The son had a problem. He was possessed with an evil spirit, a demon. That demon was trying to destroy him. That demon was controlling him. That demon had power over him. So he had a major problem. The father also had a problem because the son, of which he loved all of his son's life, had had this problem, or the majority of his life, had had this problem, and he was heartbroken, and he was desperate for, to find help. He had a problem. The nine disciples also had problems because they were unable to cast out the demon, and therefore that led to a 
argument or a discussion or conversation with the scribes and the religious leaders. The scribes and the religious leaders also had a problem because they were rejecting Jesus. They had a problem with him altogether. They had a problem with the disciples. They were of unbelief altogether. And then I said, even Jesus had problems. And I said, before you look at me funny, Jesus in his humanity, in his earthly ministry, had problems. And we even see this where he says, how long do I have to put up with you? And I think he was talking to all of them, not just the disciples, not just those in the crowd that were struggling to believe, not just the Father who was struggling to believe, but also the scribes, religious leaders that were of a lack of faith. How long do I have to put up with you? I've got problems here. Then we saw that there was a common root to the problem is sin. That's why a demon was able to possess the boy. That's why there are sicknesses and diseases and troubles and hardships of all kinds is because of sin. And that's why, apart from the saving grace that God provides through His Son, Jesus Christ, we have a major problem with sin, and that separation from God and eternal, eternal life in hell, but... Because of Jesus, we have the gift of eternal life if we believe and accept. So we have problems, but the ultimate problem is sin. But it was, I said, a crisis of belief. Not for Jesus, but the people had a crisis of belief. This man had a crisis of belief. We go through a crisis of belief. We go through a hardship, a trial, a difficulty, a problem, a hurdle. And will we believe or won't we? That's the crisis of belief. And then I said that we have this, the answer for our problems, and ultimately the answer is Jesus. The man came and he turned to the disciples. He came looking for Jesus. Jesus wasn't there. He turned to the disciples. They couldn't help. The scribes couldn't help. No doctor, no psychologist, no psychiatrist, no religious leader had ever been able to help in this boy's life, in this father's problem. But Jesus steps in, and I said last week, that when we have failed, when we step aside and say, I can't do it, that's when God can step in. And so the help for our unbelief is turn to Jesus, turn to God. So that's where we were last week. When we step out, we let him step in, and when he, step, when, when, when he steps in, in his will, the problem is taken care of. So the greatest answer, the grandest answer, the greatest help for our unbelief is the Lord. When we can't, He can. So we step aside and we let Him in. We are to call on the Master just as this Father was doing. Help me. If you can do anything, help me. Have compassion on us. And He said, I can, if, if you believe, all things are possible. And He says, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, let's continue reading. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. 
I want you to see this morning, I want you to see again some help for our unbelief. Because let me offer you a dose of reality. Shouldn't the disciples have been able to cast out this demon? I mean, shouldn't they have had the power and the authority to cast out the demon? And the answer, if you've read and been reading, is yes. In fact, if you know your gospel story, you know that Jesus gave authority to the disciples to go out two by two, and they went out and they healed diseases, and they cast out demons. And so therefore, the disciples should have had the power, the authority given by God, authorized by Jesus, to cast this demon out. They had been given certain privileges and powers, but they failed. And that's why I say, when we fail, let Jesus step in. Call on Jesus. There's times that we failed, and they didn't necessarily call on Jesus. They were caught, if you will, by the religious leaders. Jesus comes in, and the man turns to Jesus and says, help me. The reality is this, we like the disciples, we like those nine, or you could say the twelve, but the nine were the ones that were unable, we also have been given authority and power. We have a certain responsibility. That's point number one this morning, is we have a responsibility to be a people of faith. Well, I said last week, and I still maintain, that we need to step out and let God step in, God has called us to do certain things and to be the church, to be the believers, to be the people of faith. He's given us a great commission. So therefore, we have a responsibility to live by faith and to act by faith and to do the work of God and His will by faith. I think sometimes we use... Listen, there is a reality that sometimes we pray and ask God for things and they're not according to His will, either at that moment or at all. We just are asking for the wrong things. We ask amiss. The Bible talks about this. We have not because we ask not, and when we do ask, there's times that we ask for the wrong thing. But I think sometimes we try to justify our lack of ability in this Christian life, or our lack of getting an answer from God or getting the power of God to come and work in our lives on the fact of it just must not have been his will. What if the disciples had said that about this demon-possessed boy? Well, sorry, Dad. Just not his will, apparently. You see, we have a responsibility because we have authority that has been given to us. We've been given the Great Commission. If you are saved today, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you are washed in the blood of Christ and repented of your sin and put your faith in Him, then you are part of that great commission that we are to go into all the world and teach the gospel, make disciples and teach them all the things. And by the way, it said, does that mean that I can cast out demons or that I'm going to be faith healing? That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm simply saying we do have and the disciples had been given that power, a responsibility to live by faith, to walk by faith, and to do what God has called us to do by faith. They were called. We are called. If you're saved, they were chosen. We are chosen. If you're saved, 
They had power granted to them. We have been given authority. We have been given ability by God. They had been commissioned. They had a purpose that had been commissioned. We have been commissioned if you are a child of God. Given the great commission. They were given the task to spread the good news of the gospel. They were tasked with the purpose of helping those in need. In this case, casting out demons and healing diseases. And so are you and me if we are a child of God. We've talked about it many times. We're not saved so that we can sit on the sideline. We're not saved so we can say, Woo, I'm good. Now the rest of y'all just worry about yourselves. No. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to spread the gospel. We are called to reach out in Jesus' name. We are called to reach out to people that are sick and dying and desperate and needy. That's what we are called to do. So we can't just say, well, can't do it, must not have been God's will. There is a reality of the fact that sometimes it's our lack of ability because of a lack of faith. A lack of a godly walk. A lack of a close relationship. We know that, and we're going to come back to it in a minute, because he said this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. You see, we have, we have this responsibility, but we have this requirement. Number two, the requirement that we have is to walk worthy of the calling and the purpose that we have and are given. We as Christians don't just mosey through life. I know sometimes we get this attitude, we get this mindset. I just got to hold on. I just got to, listen, God's going to come back one day and God's going to make all things right and it's really bad. And so I just got to hold on. Listen, my friend, God holds on to you for the purpose of doing what God has called you to do. And that is to share the good news, to love your neighbor, to love your enemy, to spread the gospel to all that will hear. And we also, as we're spreading the gospel, part of the way we get them to be willing to hear is by loving them how they, like Christ loves us, to forgive people when they wrong us, to, to reach out in compassion as Christ reached out in compassion. We're to walk worthy of our calling, and we are to walk worthy of our calling in doing those things, to be effective in that, we have to walk closely with our God, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that brings me back to this place where we go to the end of the story, and they say, why were we not able to cast out the demons? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Does that mean some kind of special prayer? Does that mean some kind of special fasting? No. That's what they were to be doing all along. And here's what happens sometimes. It happened to them, and it sometimes happens to us. Where was Jesus when this incident was taking place? You don't have to answer out loud. Just think in your mind. Just back to what I told you a moment ago. He had been up on the mountain with Peter and James and John. So where were they? Physically, they were removed from the presence of Jesus. Now, Jesus as a human being could only be in one place at one time. The Holy Spirit had not been given to indwell them yet. And so therefore, in one sense, for them, they were away from their master. 
They were away from Jesus. And for us today, there's times that when we don't live according to our calling or we're not living according to our calling, when we're not being about the purpose that he has given, when we're not in prayer and fasting, I'm going to come back to those in a minute, but when we're not living a life of prayer and fasting that we get spiritually away from the Lord. They were physically away. We don't have to ever be away from the Lord because we're not physically with him now. He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father, but he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us, and so therefore we never have to be, we never are really away from his presence. Oh, we may struggle in our walk, we may wander away, but he doesn't leave us, and so therefore we don't have to be away from him, even though sometimes we may feel like it, but when we're not walking in prayer, when we're not walking in a close walk with him, that's when we're going to struggle in our walk. And so we have a requirement. You say, well, what prayer and fasting? Was something special about that? Well, the fasting was simply this. If you look up fasting in the Bible, uh, the fasting is talking about they would not eat food so they could consecrate or so that they could focus themselves with the Lord, with God. That's what fasting was about. Now, listen, it was about food. Now, we can then take and we can say, okay, well, we can apply that in different ways, and I'm going to give up this or I'm going to give up that. The point is this. Fasting in a larger sense may be about the fact that you're sacrificing one thing and you're substituting it with prayer, Bible reading, time focused on the Lord. I know not all of us can, whether it be sugar issues or whether it be health issues or whatever it can be, can't always give up a period of fast. And we think of fasting like a week or a day or whatever. It doesn't have to be that. But my point is this. It's focusing on the fact that, the, that they were to be focusing on the Father, focusing on the relationship with Him. We get so caught up in the things of life We get so focused on the different things of life that we say what about our prayer life and about our Bible reading and even our church going, we say what? Just don't have time. Just don't have time. Oh, my friends, we ought to be looking at the other way around. I don't have time not to pray. I don't have time not to read God's Word. That's where the the help for my faith comes from. That's what Jesus was telling them. The help for your unbelief comes from your walk with the Lord. And when you say, well, I'm struggling in my walk with God, it 99% of the time is because you're struggling in your Bible reading and in your prayer life. And I think we ought to specifically, I know, the Bible teaches us, we ought to specifically set aside a time for prayer and Bible reading. Where we get alone, the Bible talks about our prayer closet. But listen, that ought not to be the only time that we pray. That ought not to be the only time that we focus on the Lord. And I just thought about this as I was thinking this message through this week. Finding time. I did not go through and write down all the statistics, but can I just be blunt with you? I'm not trying to be uncouth, but did you know you can pray while you're in the bathroom? 
Did you know that you can read your Bible while you're in the bathroom? Most people have something to read while they're in the bathroom. Or they watch something while they're in the bathroom. We have cell phones. We take them with us everywhere. Most people have time. In fact, I forget something like seven years of our life. Not, that may not be the exact number. But something like seven years of our life, if we live to be 75 years old, are spent in the bathroom. I know, it's a little funny to think about. I see some of you giggling over there. What if we replaced our cell phones with a copy of God's Word? What if we replaced the magazine with some time in prayer? You, I mean, listen, let's be honest. Unless you've got small children, most of your time in the bathroom, you're by yourself. You say, well, that's just, you're being gross, preacher. Okay, fine. Time that you're in line at the bank. The time that you're in line at the grocery store. The time that you're sitting at a traffic light. You don't have to close your eyes and, what if I miss the light turning green? You don't have to close your eyes. Pray. Fast. You say, well, preacher, I have a hard time. Fine. Listen, substitute something. Maybe it's your cell phone. Maybe it's your internet time. Maybe it's your TV show that you just got to watch. And say, God, I'm going to sacrifice. You say, that sounds awful. You're making light. I'm not trying to make light. Most of us have some TV show, and it used to be a bigger deal because TV came on a set schedule. Now with a lot of TV, you can really watch it whenever with Netflix or Hulu or uh, Amazon Prime or whatever. You, you can watch it whenever you want to. So it really doesn't even apply anymore. But what if we took that 35 minutes or that 23 minutes or that 50 minutes or that hour that we're watching that TV show and we replace it with reading God's Word and praying? How much better would our... By the way, how much better would our walk with God be if we took most of the smut that's on TV and reduced that by an hour and increased our praying and reading the Bible by an hour? I see some of you nodding your heads. I see some of you going, oh, I can't miss my show. You can't miss Jesus. You can't miss a chance to increase your faith. I'm not applying this to the fact that if we skip the TV show and replace it with reading God's Word or praying, that we're going to walk out and we're going to start laying hands on people and healing them or casting out demons. I don't think that's the main point of what we're called to. But our spiritual walk, our spiritual life, our influence when we talk to somebody will be greater. Our lack of belief will be reduced and will have more faith because the more I read God's Word and the more I talk to Him, I'm telling you, the more... He helps me to trust him. Well, I've got to watch the news, do you? We're probably better off if we didn't. Well, I've got to get my, my social media, do you? Probably better off if we didn't. Preacher, you've gone to meddling now. I've got to have my YouTube video clips, and I've got to have my... Uh, I've I got to have all these things that I can see in my... In, in my Various Instagram and my Twitter and my uh, Snapchat and whatever else we're using these days. I got to know what's going on. You've got to know what's going on with God in your relationship with Him. Are you saying that all those things I shouldn't? No, I'm not saying that we ought to just 
cut out news and I'm not telling you to cut out TV. Listen, it probably wouldn't hurt you if you did. I'm not saying that that's what I'm saying I'm doing. I'm simply saying, what if we fasted from that for a period of time? And we increased in prayer. We increased in go out during that TV show and tell somebody about Jesus. Go out and pass out a flyer. Go out and send out like a little note card. Write a card to somebody. Replace that with something else. Listen, that's what they were talking about. Their walk was not worthy because Jesus was away. And sometimes we think, well, this is church and then this is my life. And I'm... No. All of our life should be church. I don't mean meeting in church, doing church. But I want you to see this as well. Having said all that, listen, that beats me up. That steps on my toes. Because I like watching certain shows. I like watching primarily sports programs, and, and I like watching uh, my Tigers, both Clemson and Detroit Tigers, play baseball or, or my, my uh, Denver Broncos play. I like to watch those things. But how much more important is my walk with the Lord? Can I just ask you a question? What what if the disciples, those nine, had had a closer walk with God? What if they had been spending time in prayer and fasting and they were able to cast out the demon? Because I believe based on what he said, if if their relationship with the Father in prayer and fasting had been right, they wouldn't have had a lack of faith to cast out the demon. It wasn't some special demon. He said this kind. doesn't mean that this was some kind of fancy demon. It simply meant that to do the work of God, you've got to have fasting and prayer in your life so that you do believe to have your faith increased. God can do anything, and therefore... I believe, and God has given me this authority, God has given me this power, and therefore I can say, just as Jesus did, demon be gone, and the demon would be gone. If they had been right in the relationship, then the demon would have been cast out. The father would have been struggling. His faith would have been increased before Jesus ever got there. The religious leaders would have had nothing to say. The disciples wouldn't have been doubting, and Jesus wouldn't have had to come down and say, what am I going to do with you all? How long am I going to be with you people? And the multitude, that's all the other people that were watching, would have been amazed at what God did through those disciples. When I think about that, that can be discouraging. But let me give you a third thing. I gave you, I, I gave you uh, I, again, I gave you a responsibility and a requirement, our walk worthy of our calling and our walk with God. But I want to give you a relief. Or I want to give you a relief as well. Understand this. When we read this story, there are four things, at least four things. I'm going to give you four things to wrap this message up that ought to be an encouragement and a relief 
to you. Because if you're like me, and I believe that most of you are, there's times that I struggle in my walk. There's times that I struggle with my unbelief. There's times that I'm not fasting and praying and walking with God like I should. And so therefore, there's times that I'm going to be defeated and discouraged and disheartened. It's just, I live in a sinful world. I'm a sinful person. That's the reality. But here's some encouragement for you and for me, all right, as I read this. Number one, We might lose a battle because we weren't walking with God like we should have been. We might lose a battle, but you're never going to lose the war. It's already done. Jesus has already died. Jesus has already paid our price. Jesus is already coming back. And so therefore, if you're saved... Even when you fail, you may lose a battle. You may give in to sin. You may not demonstrate the faith that you ought to demonstrate. You may not always be the example that you ought to be. You may not always be effective in your ministry or in witnessing to somebody as you ought to be. But even when that happens, understand, be encouraged. I may have lost this battle, but I have not lost the war because Jesus has the victory and Jesus gives me the victory and therefore the war is already already over. Your failure does not mean God's failure. That's when we step, God, I'm sorry, I've blown it. God, please step in. And he has, and he will, and he will again. Number two, I love this. The devil has no authority except what is given. He said, well, we talked about that before, preacher. He was trying, listen, did you miss this? He was trying to destroy the boy, but he could not. Now, I go back, of course, to Job, and Job had to get permission to touch anything that Job had. And then after he took away all that Job had except for his wife, Job still praised the Lord, and then he said, well, then let me have, let me touch his life. And he said, you can touch his life, you cannot take his life. And he touched him with sickness and with disease and boils, and he still praised the Lord. The devil cannot do anything unless God allows it. And the devil, the demon, was trying to destroy the boy, but he could not. That thrills me. Because I may lose a battle, and I may see somebody struggle, but I'm telling you that God has all power over the devil, and the devil can do nothing. The devil is the prince and the power of the air right now. We know that because Adam and Eve sinned, and sin passed upon all men. The earth was cursed for our sake, and God allowed the devil to be the prince and the power of the air right now. But there will come a time when God says, all right, no longer are you the prince in the power of the air, and he will put an end to that prince of the power of the air, and Jesus Christ will once again be seen who, as who he is, and he will reign as king of kings. Number three thing. Now, by the way, let me go back to number two thing. The demon, therefore, had to leave the boy. In fact, we see that he's caused, the, the father says, he, tra- he said, what, what do you mean he tried to kill him? He tried to throw him in the fire? He tried to throw him in the water. In other words, he tried to get him burned up, and he tried to drown him. It wasn't like he was just trying to singe him. It wasn't like he was just trying to scare him. He was trying to destroy the boy. And when the demon says Jesus, he sees Jesus coming, he then tries to destroy him again. But Jesus says, 
come out. And he's trying to destroy the boy, but he cannot. And he has to come out. And that leads me to number three. The demon, Jesus said, do not enter him again. So guess what? Based on number two and based on what we read in the rest of the story, that demon never entered that boy again. What God says to do, what God says will happen, will happen. What Jesus says and his authority that he has, by the way, and he gives us authority, therefore that's going to take place. I was describing this to somebody just the other day, and there's times that we have a will. We sometimes go left when we should go right. We go right when we should go left. But God's will will always be done. It may have hindrances. It may have uh, we may get in the way, we may go the wrong way, but God's will will always be done. And one day, God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven without any hindrances, without any headaches. It will be done perfectly, but God's will will always be done. And the demon could not enter the boy again. And then that gives me the fourth thing that I saw, which I've already shared with you, but I'm going to share it again. God, Jesus Christ, God gives us tools. And we're so quick to dismiss them, but the prayer and the fasting. Those are the two things he said you need to have the faith that you need. You you have to have Jesus. Without Jesus, you can have not the faith to be saved. Without what Jesus did on the cross. So that's the ultimate answer is Jesus. But then he says, listen, I've given you and he's given us his word to read. And the ability and the authority to come to God in prayer, asking whatever we will. And if we're in a right relationship with him, he hears us. Oh, my friends, listen, I'm telling you, it's a wonderful story. But I close this way. And I could ask this probably of many of the miracles, because we don't know that Jesus did. What happened to the boy? What happened to the father? The Bible doesn't say, other than the fact that we know the demon could not have entered the boy because Jesus said, we know the demon came out. We know that the demon could not enter. But we never hear anything else from the father and the son. Here's my question for us to think about. Or here's my statement, perhaps. We have seen the power of God in our lives just like that father, that son, saw the power of God. They saw and experienced the demon coming out of the boy. By the way, the religious leaders were also there. They saw it. The throng, the multitude that it talks about was there. They saw it. We know what the religious leaders did. We don't know what everybody in the crowd did. We don't know what the father and son did. But my question is, let's forget them for a second. What about you and me? You've seen the power of God. If you've been saved, you've experienced the power of God. Wouldn't it be a shame to know the power of God, to see the power of God, and walk away and not let it change your life? I like to believe that the people, like the woman with the blood issue, I like to think about the father who had the son who was demon-possessed. I like to think about the different ones that were touched and they were healed or they were cured, that they joined the crowd that followed Jesus. It doesn't say that every time because it's not about them, it was about Jesus. But I would love to think 
that they, man, I've experienced a miracle and I've seen the power of God and I've seen that this Jesus is the Son of God and I'm going to follow Him and I'm going to worship Him and I'm going to serve Him all the rest of my days. But instead of wondering too long about that, about them, you've experienced the power of God. You've seen the power of God. You've heard the power of God. You understand the power of God. Will it change your life? Will it increase your faith? Will it help you when you're struggling with your unbelief? I hope and pray that it will. I hope and pray that God never lets me forget what He's done for me. I hope and pray that I never cease to, to, to see what He's doing for me. I hope you can say the same. If you've never known the power of God in your life, I pray that you would come and know Him today. Call on Him and fall down at His feet and say, Oh God, thank You for what You've done. I repent. I believe. Help me to live for You. Forgive me of my sins. I make You Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, I pray that you'd do that today. And if you are here today, but again, as I said last week, you're struggling with your unbelief, I pray that you would come to God and just step out of the way and say, God, I need your help. You can do something. Have compassion on me. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us today, that you'd increase our faith today, that we would not walk out of this place understanding and experiencing and remembering the mighty works that you have done and are doing and will do for us, and that our faith would be increased. But God, also that we would see the desperate need to be in your word and on our face in prayer. Increase our faith, I pray. Help our faith, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.